It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, folks. Be sure to visit my webpage at dr-history.com for over 440 true stories of the Old West. Also, now available on Amazon, my first book, a historical fiction based on true events, entitled Coal Miner to Cowboy. The story of a young man born in England in 1850. He wants to be a cowboy and makes his way to America, travels from New Orleans to Independence on a steamboat, hires on as a teamster to Santa Fe, then on a cattle drive to Bozeman, Montana. He also rides shotgun on a stagecoach. He travels with a wagon train, and on his two-year journey, he meets some famous people and keeps a journal of his adventures. The book contains a lot of the true stories from my podcast and is now available on Amazon. Visit my webpage for a link to Amazon for the book, Coal Miner to Cowboy. Now, Dr. History. Good morning, Zeb. How are you? Great. You know, I noticed you got a new van with your two people that drive you here, and they've got one of those roll-up red carpets where you can pull it out, and then you walk on it coming in here. No, no, I traded that for a uh, stretch limousine. A stretch limo, I see. (laughs) I think it's called a wagon with two horses. (laughs) Oh, what in the world is going on in the world? Well, i got to tell you, I heard from the Schnitzelflooster. The Mr. Budweiser Schnitzelflooster. No, no, Schnitzelflooster, and... Uh, he's doing great. He and his wife are going on a bike ride through Germany and camping and stuff. So I'm. He's going to send me some pictures uh, really? of where he's going. So yeah, sounds great. He doesn't mind if we have a little fun with his name. Oh, I don't think so. Okay, but we just have to pronounce it correctly. Schnitzelflüster. Actually, when I said it my way, it doesn't sound that far out of the norm. <laughs> Pretty close. <laughs> okay. All right. Today we're going to talk about the legend of Broken Hand. Wait a minute. I've heard that story. Okay. Broken Hand's an Indian. No. 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 Tom Fitzpatrick, trapper, mountain man. Yeah. Didn't he, wasn't he with, um, oh, for a while, I can't think of the expedition. um, Well, he was with William Ashley. We'll talk about that, how he kind of got going. But... uh, he was known by two names. One was Broken Hand, uh, after, and then after a miraculous escape in 1832, he, he his hair actually turned white. So they, he was known as Broken Hand. Yeah, and but the, your hair and my hair turned white, too. <laughs> and we didn't go through what okay. he went through. But then the Indians referred to him as White Hair. Okay. So Fitzpatrick was born in Ireland in, in 1799, and he'd heard all about the West and the excitement and the enthusiasm. He made his way westward. He got to St. Louis, and there he joined up with William Ashley's crew Mm -hmm. in 1823 to go up the Missouri River. 
Now, he wasn't a big guy. He was kind of slender, but he was very strong for his size, and he had some really good leadership uh, abilities. Uh, He had just basic common sense, and these qualities soon brought him to the attention of Ashley, who needed some really good dependable dependable men, and Fitz, we call him, you know, he's referred to as Fitz in company, uh, with his good friend Jed Smith, they were traveling west uh, with a small uh, trapping party, and it got to be wintertime, 1823, 1824, pretty rough winter, and anyway, one of the party was a guy named Edward Rose, and he were he was friends with the Crow Indians, and he had heard that across the Continental Divide, there was a lot of beaver, mm-hmm. and they hadn't been over there. So Smith and Fitzpatrick and these guys, always searching for better uh, places to trap beaver, they headed for the Green River area. Oh. So on this trip, nature pretty much put them to the test. They didn't have the game. They were hungry a lot of time. And you know how the winds are. Where did they stay in the winter? Well, they just, uh, it doesn't really tell me where they stayed, but I'm sure they just camped in one spot until they could head out. Wow. So, but the winds, their horses grew weak. And so by now it's March and that's still cold weather and wind. Yeah. Now, as they kept marching westward, they noticed all of a sudden that the streams were not flowing toward, were now flowing toward the west instead of to the east. Uh-huh. They had crossed the Continental Divide and found South Pass over the Rockies. I see. And, you know, that's just a gradual thing. It's not like this big, huge mountain that one side is east and one side is west. It was, you know, if you've been to the Continental Divide, you know, it's just... You wouldn't even notice it if you if you didn't know it was okay. there. But anyway, so South Pass, of course, that became the main thoroughfare for the trappers, the explorers, the missionaries, the wagon trains, the Oregon Trail, uh-huh. all went. So they were some of the first to go over uh, that area. So in the Green River country, the beaver turned out to be just as plentiful as the Indians predicted. And the party split into two parts, and they began finding the the beaver and getting really fat packs of fur. And that's when Fitzpatrick's fortunes kind of took a bad turn. Oh, no. Okay. So his group had been joined by a band of Shoshones who uh, ate uh, abundantly on the leftover beaver meat that the trappers didn't use. Well, they didn't eat the beavers? Uh, They did some. I see. But so did the Indians. So the Indians seemed friendly, uh, but one night they kind of slipped away and took with them all of the trappers' horses. This doesn't Not bode good. well. So this put Fitzpatrick and his crew kind of in a in a kind of a hazardous situation. Well, I would say. Here they are hundreds of miles from help on foot. Uh-huh. Okay. Now they had no way to now, keep in mind they had all these furs that they'd gathered. Yeah. They had no way to transport them to the rendezvous of 1825. So they cast their furs, their traps, their saddles and all their property and set off on foot. And they hoped to avoid any troublesome Indians along the way. And some days later, they, uh, this little group of white trappers rounded a bend in the mountain and came face to face with half a dozen Indians, Shoshones. Mm-hmm. The horses they rode looked really familiar. Oh, my. <laughs> well, 
faster than the Indians could make the peace sign, Fitzpatrick's crew held the muzzles of their flintlocks, covering them at point-blank range. They took back their horses. Then they forced their captives to guide them to the Indian village, where they reclaimed at gunpoint the rest of their horses. Except... Now, the Indians weren't happy about this, obviously. Well, can you imagine that? <laughs> they st- were getting stolen what they had stolen. Yeah. But there still remained one horse unaccounted for. Oh. One horse. Now, this wasn't going to wash with old Fitz. He was uh, plain darn angry. That, and that's exactly that's what, what it was. he said. He was darn angry. Darn angry. And he instantly ordered his men to tie up one of the Indians to a nearby tree. With the Indian uh, looking down the open end of the trapper's gun... Fitzpatrick explained to the Shoshones that unless the last horse was brought in promptly, they'd be having a funeral ceremony. I see. The horse appeared. Uh, Can you imagine (laughs) that? So the trappers now backtracked to their cache. They got their furs, their traps, their saddles, all their pack horses, and they set off for the rendezvous. Now, Fitzpatrick led his men back across South Pass and down again where the waters flowed to the east. So now they're on the east side. How many guys were there? Uh, there's only about eight or ten. Eight Not or ten, many. and the whole Indian tribe let them go? Right. Well, they had guns, you know, so they must have been, you know, dangerous looking. But anyway, <laughs> he had made his name as a leader of men and an explorer who could always find his way through the mountains. So he had the skills that, you know, to lead expeditions in years ahead. So Fitzpatrick. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX is clipped. Now streaming only on Hulu. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Patrick really was a, was a good guy. You know, yeah. he knew his stuff. Okay. Well, Fitzpatrick, along with Milton Sublick, Jim Bridger, and a few other guys, bought out the fur company and renamed it the Rocky Mountain Fur Company. I've heard of that. And you know, you've heard about that. Sure. So the real leader of the Rocky Mountain Fur Company was Fitzpatrick. So... Uh, later, as time for the 1832 rendezvous in Pierre's Hole approached, Fitzpatrick returned to St. Louis to get supplies for the trappers. Now, he had a problem because he didn't have the money that he needed. Mm-hmm. But he arranged with Bill Sublett, the older brother of his partner, Milt Sublett, to supply the Rocky Mountain Fur Company. So it was on this trip that Fitzpatrick was returning to the mountains with a supply train that he had kind of a famous brush with death. Uh oh. Okay. Now, keep in mind there were other fur companies assembling in Pierre's Hole, and everybody knew that the first supply train to get there would skim off the cream of the furs, yeah. get the best, yeah. and beat the competition in the race for the high profits. So Fitzpatrick decided uh, to leave the supply train and 
take off ahead of them to try to get to the rendezvous so he could let them know, okay, they're coming. They're just a couple of days behind. So he took off. He had two horses and planning to ride them uh, off and on. He set off at a gallop. He was traveling alone and he was traveling light. Uh-huh. He was going. Well, when Bill Sublet arrived at Pierre's Hole with his train of supplies, including the uh, coveted casks of corn whiskey, he figured that Fitzpatrick would be there just waiting. Corn whiskey. Yeah. But Sublet was wrong. Old Fitz hadn't shown up. And uh, this kind of put a damper on the rendezvous because that was a time of having a great time. And, you know, Fitz wasn't there. And the seasoned trappers kind of looked around. They shook their heads. And this is what happens sometimes. The trappers just would not show up. Don't know what happened. Maybe it was Indians. Maybe he got a broken leg. Who knows? But anyway, what they didn't know is that uh, Fitzpatrick had tangled with a grizzly bear. So after leaving the supply train, he rode hard for four days or so. And everything was going good in the cool mountain air. He and his horses made really good time. Then he stopped one day to rest his horses, and he was sitting on a rock just eating his last piece of jerky. Suddenly, he heard a bear scrambling across the rocks toward him at what he called, quote, double quick time. Uh That bear was hustling. Okay. Fitzpatrick came to his feet. He stood his ground as the bear skidded to a halt six feet from him and rose up on his feet. Uh, to investigate, well, for what seemed like a mighty long time, the grizzled mountain man and this, ter- uh, this huge bear stared at each other eye to eye. And Fitzpatrick understood grizzlies well enough to know that if he tried to run, well, that would bring the animal down on him just in an instant. So here's what he said, quote, after discovering that I was in no ways bashful, he was quoted as saying, he bowed the bear, he bowed, turned, and ran, and I did the same, and I made for my horse. Uh-huh. So you got the picture here? I'm scared. They're looking at each other. The bear turns and starts going the other way. Fitzpatrick now turns and starts running towards his horse. Okay. Well, he made a little mistake. He should have given the grizzly a little more time. Oh, really? Because the bear glanced back, saw the man running, turned around, Fitzpatrick calculated that he had just enough time to get to his horse, jump on his horse, and take off. Well, the horse, seeing this grizzly approaching to full speed, ignored the man, <laughs> grabbing for the saddle, took off. Fitz landed on his back in front of this bear. You know, you're not really <laughs> creating an aura of uh, well-being. Right. But this is Fitzpatrick, remember. He yeah. knew. Well, a less experienced person might have, like me and you, might have jumped up and started trying to run to get away from the bear. Well, normally, yes. Normally. yes but, but in my case, what do I do? <laughs> I'd be ahead of you. <laughs> but Fitzpatrick kept his senses. He jumped to his feet. He confronted the grizzly again. Confronted again, him. stood. And once more, the bear turned and ran off. But it made a mistake. It stopped to eat what was left of Fitzpatrick's lunch, uh, which probably attracted it in the first place. And he said, I crept, crept to my gun. <laughs> I crept to my gun, keeping the rock between me and him. And he killed the bear and he feasted on bear steaks. <laughs> We're going to continue with this story, Zeb. I can't. I'm laughing. Quit laughing. <laughs> <laughs> 
The next morning, he followed a small stream into a beautiful valley, and he tried to stay away from the Indians and get to the rendezvous. Well, he was slipping away from the Indians, and uh, but uh, there were some Indians that uh, were after him, and they surrounded him. And, uh, you know, a man can deal with bears, but when you're being chased by some Indians, uh, things turned not so good. No, you're wrong. A yeah. man cannot deal with bears and or <laughs> Indians that want to kill you. What's the matter with you? I know. Well... So he's taken off. He's being chased. Okay. He turned one horse loose because uh, he had the two horses, but he kept going. The other horse was winded, so he finally turned it loose. He jumped from the saddle. He grabbed what he could as far as his uh, gun and ammunition. He began climbing a mountain on foot. He realized that he was going to lose this race. There were too many warriors after him, and they were too fast. So he slowed. they slowed down temporarily to grab his horse, the second horse, and probably thinking, well, we got this man anyway. So Fitzpatrick, meanwhile, was going through all these boulders uh, along these rock ledges, and he got... Uh, passed out of sight of the Indians for just for an instant, and he found a crevice between the rocks. He slid into it and began stuffing leaves and grass in the opening to hide himself. So he got this picture. He's in this crevice with grass and leaves kind of hiding him. Well, the job was barely finished when the first of the Indians came up, and they're looking and looking, and they actually passed within a few feet of Fitzpatrick, where he's kind of hidden in this crevice in the rocks. Well, he said... Quote, what a moment of intense anxiety was this. Oh, yeah. All chance of escape was cut off. No prospect of mercy if taken. Hope began to die, and death inevitably seemed to be the very next incident that would occur. Well, the Indians, apparently unable to find him, uh, uh, continued to search, and they climbed over the rocks all over. They still didn't find him. Finally, they retreated down the mountain and uh, kind of talking loudly like, you know, he's got to be here. He's got to be here somewhere. So they turned back, and they kept looking. They still couldn't find him. So nighttime came. The Indians went back to their camp. So Fitzpatrick, uh, after darkness, he started heading down. Unfortunately, he came to the Indian camp. Why? Not good. Did well, he, he was it was dark, and oh. he couldn't find his way. Oh. So he went back and hid himself in the crevice, and he uh, stayed there that night. Well, by now, he kind of had an idea of the territory. So by the second night, he slipped down the mountain and this time made it around uh, the Indian camp. They were the Gross Venture Indians. He followed the creek for the rest of that night. He hid and stayed out of the sight throughout the day. Uh, occasionally, a few Indians still passed by where he was hiding during the day. Well, the next night, he followed the creek and he got, uh, and he made a raft out of logs. And he started floating down this uh, this river or creek, whatever it was, and he still had gunpowder, his possibles bag, and a shot pouch. He climbed aboard and shoved off into the current, and he took off down this swift current, which was going a little faster than he anticipated. Uh-oh. The raft picked up speed, going through whitewater rafting, and slammed into a boulder, tearing it apart, dumped him, his gun, and everything else into the stream. Anyway, he got to shore, and he now the only thing he had left was his knife. 
Really? That's all he had. Oh, my. So he's wet, he's hungry, and he stood on the bank of this river, not knowing quite what to do. Anyway, during the days that followed, uh, he kept going downstream, stayed hidden for two more days, and as the days dragged by, he got weaker and weaker, and he would search for food. He got to where he could hardly walk. Uh, meanwhile... Uh, back at the rendezvous, Bill Sublet's supply train had made it, and they thought, okay, we got to go find him. So they took off, and there's different accounts. One account says that he was rescued by two Iroquois hunters, and another say he made his way into camp. Whatever the truth, uh, he, he was in terrible shape, his body bleeding, bruised, but he made it to the rendezvous. Really? Now, you may wonder about the white hair thing. Yeah. Okay. And the broken hand. Okay, and that's what we're getting to. So now, one explanation about how this happened was that uh, he was, uh, uh, again, being chased by Blackfeet Indians. Yeah. All right? Yeah. The Indians headed him off uh, directly toward a cliff. Uh, below which the Yellowstone River flowed. There was no time to hesitate, no way to turn back or change course. Fitzpatrick put spurs to his horse, and off the cliff they went to splash into the river over a cliff. There, while trying to get his gun from his, uh, his rifle from his cover, he accidentally shot himself in the hand, and it mutilated his hand. But he managed to reload and kept going, and he was able to hide. Uh, and after this, they, the Indians referred to him as Broken Hand. But unfortunately, because of this uh, scary incident, uh, his hair actually turned white. Wouldn't yours? Uh, mine already has. <laughs> had yours. But, you know, after this, he became a uh, scout for the military. He led wagon trains west. Uh, he just was an amazing guy. He actually uh, joined John C. Fremont on his uh, Western mapping expedition. Wow. So he was a guide for them. Uh, he was an Indian agent for some of the tribes in the Upper Platte in Arkansas. But he dealt fairly and honestly with the Arapahoes, the Cheyennes, the Kiowas, the Shoshones, and the Sioux. And he treated them fairly. How long did he live? Uh, he died in 1854 at the age of 55. Woo, which is young. actually longer than a lot of the mountain men yeah. or even the people back yeah. then. So anyway, he was he he actually got pneumonia at age 55 and died. Wow! But he lived well. You know, he was a great mountain man. He knew his way so. around. Uh, he's one of those guys that could. You know, knew the territory, knew where to go and how to get there. Yeah, except he wasn't very handy by shooting himself in the <laughs> well, hand. You know, accidents happen. Yeah, jumping off a cliff with a horse. Yeah. I mean, the story just is like a chain. It keeps it is. going. Yeah, it yeah. keeps getting better and better. There you have the story of Broken Hand. Thank you, Dr. History. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.